This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Kurt Coffey, Vice President of Case IH North America. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Kurt Coffey next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net, providing individualized protection on more than 490 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Similar to other industries in the world, farm machinery manufacturers have faced their own set of challenges from COVID, infrastructure supply chain issues, inflation, and a shortage of labor. Kurt Coffey, Vice President of Case IH North America, says they're working closely with their customers to accomplish their goals of both productivity and sustainability. We see very strong economics right now, leaving 22 going into 2023. 2022 was a record year for us. You know, we just released the CNH Industrial Results. Case IH North America, which is where I'm responsible, was a record year for us. Very strong demand. You know, I only wish we could produce more and ship more, which is most everybody's constraint right now. But coming off of a banner year, we're very positive about where we're at in the ag cycle. If you compare that to 16, 17, 18, it's certainly a lot better. Not back to the 13, 14 peaks that we saw all across the industry. And a lot of that's because of you know supply chain constraints all across the industry. And I don't try and read the minds of what people are looking for, but at Case IH, we say we're built by farmers. Many of our staff are farmers still actively operating in our farm, and so it's easy to kind of say... What are the customer friction points or what are the areas where customers have a challenge and how do we unlock value for them? And so what we're trying to do is remove impediments, um, improve the farming operation. One example we chatted about was um, labor scarcity. You know, we're on a full blitz to unlock more features with automation of processes as we point towards full autonomy so that the number one issue facing many of our customers is solved, which is I can't get labor, or if I get labor, the labor is not quite as skilled or less than skilled. So how do I put them in this very expensive capital good but make sure they're optimizing the, the operation? It's not really reading their mind, but it's solving real-world problems at Case IH. Perhaps understanding then a little better of the customer in that margins are tighter. Uh, they are still in black ink for now with commodity prices where they are, but do you see a trend with them toward more calculated purchases? The farmers are in black ink. It's very profitable right now, corn, soybeans, and a number of small grains. We've seen a relief on fertilizer prices in many areas lately, which is kind of helping margin compression, to use the term, kind of the question behind what you're asking. I feel that farmers are the most savvy business people out there. They're accountants, they're agronomists, they're business operations leaders, they're logistics managers. Of course, many professional operators are very much watching their margin. The indicator for me right now, though, kind of the question behind what you're asking is, what is what does the outlook look like? Our order boards are full for for this uh, cal- this model year. 
Um, we haven't opened up Q4 yet uh, of 2023 because that's a new model year. Okay, but my feeling is if I open that up right now, I could have that filled in about 48 hours. The reason I say it that way is there's a lot of pent up demand. You know, we're coming through a really deep, strong ag cycle. There's an aging fleet out there, not tremendously aging like it's a drama, but the fleet is aging. And so there are a lot of people in line saying, I want to upgrade, and there's a lot of money out there right now. It's a great, great, such great time to be in agriculture. And then the overlay on that, so all of those macros at the financial level, the overlay on that then is the pivot shifting more digitalization, technology, unlock. And, you know, doing much, much more with less is an area where, for instance, we upgraded one of our planters this last year. We're now planting, you know, 10-plus miles an hour. When I was a kid, we were running five. It's twice as big, twice as wide. I'm going twice as fast, right, just doing so much more with less. So there is still a upgrade cycle that's very deep in ag where a lot of people are still wanting to upgrade their technology in addition to very positive economics. My family worked through the 1980s, and we saw that period of time where you were encouraged to buy farm machines because in that inflationary cycle, next year the same machine was going to cost more. Yep. Now, this is not the 80s, although there are similarities. How is inflation affecting you, even from the raw materials you need to manufacture machines? Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to confess. I'm a 79er. I remember the 80s when I was a little guy on our home farm, and I, re- I remember a lot of farms and neighbors not being farms anymore because of 16%, 18 20% interest rates, and it was a dramatic time. The situation right now is similar. It's concerning because there's such a hyperinflation across raw materials going into the capital goods we make. Um, how we're managing it, I, I use one term a lot with my team, and it's discipline. We're being very disciplined to make sure that we are – selling at the best price we can get to, again, create value at the farm gate, but make sure that we do it in tranches to where we cover any hyperinflation that we've been hit with. So said differently, you know, a year ago we started, we started, you know, allocating out in quarters instead of doing like a full order board for a full year. That's being disciplined. It's not ideal because maybe people want to see further out you know, what is available to be ordered and shipped. But we're managing it in a very disciplined way, and we're doing that so we're prudent with our customer base. I don't want to go out and price what I think is going to happen in 14 months from now if it stays on this same path. And then I have all these orders where I didn't need to go that far. So we're being a little more methodical and a little more disciplined to make sure we're aligned with what the customer needs. How is this affecting used machinery? How is this affecting parts and service? Used actually has been on a an upward trajectory now for about 12 months. I don't have the data at my fingertips. I was looking at combines and compact tractors this morning, and prices are extremely strong, and they've continued to be very strong. Um, they started to steady in certain pockets in Q3, Q4, to where, you know, it was a it was a linear mountain up, and then it's kind of steadied. It's not just used values, but then also the, the counts or the quantities of used uh, machines that are out there. For much of last year or a year ago, we saw used prices, you know, spiking in parallel with new equipment prices going up to cover inflationary costs. But we also saw scarcity. There was very little out there. That trend has slowed, but there are a lot of legs of the stool. We watch those two very, very closely to make sure that we're aligned. Um, it's a good, it's a good piece of information for the customer because as they take that gently used two, two-year-old machine and trade into the new one, they're getting much, much more for that and it helps it helps on the trade differential, uh, the, va- the value of used. 
We're talking on the sidelines of the National Farm Machinery Show that was held in Louisville, Kentucky. And 30 years ago, I was at this event and talking to a person in the machinery business who said, we can build a machine as complicated as an F-18 fighter, but the difference is the farmer's ability to be able to afford it. I look at the machines that your company and others were selling 30 years ago, and then I look at the technology in the machines that you're selling today. How is is that still a, a, a relevant statement, and how are they affording this technology? When I was a kid, we farmed 1,500 acres probably. We farm 3,500 to 4,000 now. When I was a kid, we ran two combines. Now we run one, right? So we run one machine... 30-foot, 12-row cornhead, 35-plus-foot, 40-foot draper, whereas, to your example, 30 years ago, I was you know, I was 13, and we were running two machines. So it's efficiency, it's scale, it's speed. Um, the overlay on that, we touched on it a little bit, is also technology. So technology, it could be technology automating a process. We have what we call at Case IH um, AFS Harvest Command, which you literally get in the combine and you hit a button and it automates the process that you can watch the machine adjust based upon the crop. You know, we didn't have that. It could be that type of a technology or it could be seed placement technology. To my earlier example, we can plant so fast now comparative that, you know, a farm can do so much more with less. But the technology in that machine is complicated as an F-18 is quite a bit more expensive, but it really it really comes back to unlocking value. And you know whether it's Case IH or one of our competitors, you can see us selling because the customer perceives value. That's that's the litmus test, right? Given that you're a 79er, so let's go with oh this. Let's give the, with this perspective. Are you surprised at how fast we went from uh, auto steer to autonomy? And then I wonder what's next. Yeah. It, I'm not surprised. I mean, the technology curve in many different facets is similar. Case IH was first with AFS in 1995. That was a long time ago. And I remember the years after that, you know, there were the different rudimentary steering devices. You'd break your knuckle on them, and we all recognize those devices. The transition that we have seen from 95 until now has been, you know, pretty quick, but... It was rudimentary, you know, satellite usage, steering, you know, by light, etc. I feel like the next five to ten years are going to be even more accelerated because we're we're really leading on automation of processes in a number of areas. But you know, at at the Farm Progress Show last summer, we unveiled the world's first fully autonomous spreader, the Trident 5550 from Case IH with Raven Autonomy, which CNH Industrial acquired and it's now part of the house of brands but then at tech day we did a tech day this uh, winter down in arizona we started to start you know talk about the entire farming operation through the seasons and we unveiled what it would look like with a magnum with a tillage tool fully autonomous next to that the trident which we had already launched at farm or unveiled at farm progress next to that we had i'll use the term driver assist uh, grain cart combine synchronization Um, but in parallel to that We'll be we'll be talking about pretty soon a fully electric tractor, a farmall, with autonomous capabilities with our partnership with Monarch Tractor out in California. I said all that to say the next few years it's going to explode in 
technology changes in the operation that I think will be even more so than what we've seen since 1995. Well, since you brought it up, electric tractors is battery technology. I realize motors are powerful enough, Super. but is battery technology coming along fast enough to support the industrial machine and certainly the, the, the multi-horsepower tractor that we need to run those implements today? Yeah, yes, sir. And I'm not a, I, this is not my technical competence, but you know, the, the technology we have today, the power density we have today, you will see, and, and New Holland, our sister brand within CNH Industrial at Tech Day showed, um, their New Holland version of the electric tractor. We talked about how one is coming from Case IH as well. And so you'll see that soon from us. You'll see, you know, efficiency up to right now, I'll say that 50, 75, 80 horsepower range. The battery capability and density and size needed based on the duty cycle that a customer needs, it will work. You start asking me, are we going to see an electric, you know, 600 horsepower quad track? Not with the technology we have today, but other alternative propulsion methods possibly. Um, we are looking at, you know, clean energy or sustainable solutions all across technology, but for battery, um, for sure up to that 75 horsepower range is very viable and, and you'll see it in the near future. Artificial intelligence? How will that change the nature of sprayer technology of input application? Yeah, I mean, if you pop the hood on unlocking autonomy, it really is going to be, you know, AI and a neural network understanding from a catalog of images recognized to, to take a decision, kind of like your brain does. So, you know, I can't speak super eloquently on the ones and zeros of AIs, but if of AI, but if you pop the hood and say, how does this work? It is going to be through machine learning and a machine in an agile way with sensors recognizing the situation and having situational awareness using AI. And so when you see us show the, the 5550 uh, Trident last summer, you know, behind the curtain is, is autonomy being unlocked by AI. Um, you'll see that all across autonomy, automation of processes, because that's that's how you get it done, I guess, is how I would answer your question. Will machines have to become smaller to be more efficient? If the if the machine is smaller, does that allow you to be even more precise, or can you do that at the scale that you are today? Yeah, it's a really dangerous question, because we're, we're announcing and launching the Steiger 645, which which goes up to 699 horsepower which is the largest four-wheel drive tractor now in the industry. I had to get that plug in here at Case IH. Uh, people ask me about, does it need to be smaller to do, be more accurate, to be more granular, or even to swarm, right? So that's kind of the where, where that stream of consciousness goes. You can see a machine's capability looking across a broad swath to be able to automate the process or go full autonomy. I believe the tillage tools we had in Arizona were 30 or 35 foot behind a magnum. Um, you would know well that the Trident is going to be spreading, you know, 60, 80, 100 feet depending. Uh, I probably just did a technical spec wrong. But I don't think you have to go small, small, small to be accurate. It really comes down to processing powers. And then the ability of your sensors or cameras to pick up the, the breadth of what you're applying. In Puerto Rico at the Farm Bureau Convention, Zippy Duvall, their president, announced a memorandum of understanding with John Deere about a right to repair. But still, that is ongoing with that company and the legal system. That to the side, how is Case IH and the farmer, how are you working together through this right to repair issue? Let me touch on our stance, and then I'll come back to your comment about AFPF, if that's okay. Sure. 
um, for, I, I don't know, months if not years, I'll say probably about two years since this topic has, has come up and become mainstream, to use a term. We have, I don't want to use the term we've gone on offense, but we've been very open to say, again, to use the term the last time, because we are built by farmers, and most of us, many of us are farmers, we have the empathy and scars at Case IH to understand a farmer wanting to maintain their own destiny by having access to the repair parts or diagnostic tools to do the job. We get that. And very early when this topic came up, we went on the offense to say, well, how do we make sure we're partnering with our customers? And so parts and service are available for all customers. I mean, this is who we are at our core. But at that time, we started working with our internal technology teams to say, how can we work to make a diagnostic tool, we call it an EST, the electronic service tool, available to the public, whether it's my brother farming in Illinois or somebody who wants to do work on a you know five-year-old machine that's doing it as a shade tree. I don't know the date, but we have made that tool available. You can buy it through our e-commerce platform. It comes with a little dongle that plugs into the CAN bus. That, to me, is the testimony that we are focused on enabling a customer to repair and maintain their equipment. I could tell you stories. I could give you philosophy. But that in itself is our aspiration, and that's the body of work. As it relates to partnerships with, you know, Farm Bureau, I met with Zippy actually personally maybe six months ago. Great guy, great partnership. Um, we're working with them to make sure that we are arm-in-arm satisfying customers' needs. I think, you know, responding to our competitor and what happened in Puerto Rico or where we're going to go is a little bit early for me. But the one-line statement would be we're back to the body of work and the aspiration. We're arm-in-arm working with uh, Farm Bureau to make sure that we satisfy customers' needs to have access to repair. And certainly a difference between right to repair and right to modify. Yeah, I I appreciate the question. Um, Sometimes I get preachy, and I tried to stop that that one quicker. We want to draw the line on tampering, um, whether it's emissions, tampering, you know, going crazy with horsepower to where we have a warranty problem, or basic things like safety. This is an area where we have our our guardrails up and we're concerned, so we want people to have the access to make the right repairs, but then don't tamper or don't make it unsafe. How important is the broadband coverage and these canyons of void where areas are not served? It's It's a top need in the industry in the rural space for unlocking value at the farm. You know, you can have the smartest machine that collects every piece of data known to man and God, but if you can't collect it and then get it pulled down to the cloud and push it over to you know your agronomist to make a decision, you really aren't unlocking value, right? So connectivity also empowers guidance. So the issue is really a major – it would be a top three to top five need that we have, I would say, in agriculture. You know, next to, next to labor scarcity and a few other things, you know, skilled labor and manufacturing, it would probably be a top three to five for me. And I think the pivot is also it's you know it's incumbent on me to say selfishly as a farm manufacturer or a technology provider it unlocks value for us and our customers, but don't forget the ability to have you know high speed rural broad brain in, in some of these communities for the education systems. Our best partners, customers, and employees come out of farm communities, and if those communities, especially we went through COVID, everybody's work you know working from home and studying from home, you know who fell behind because they didn't have access. So, you know, the the heavy heart side of me thinking of the, you know, young up and coming FFA, the importance the issue is very important in the industry, but it's probably to me 
because of who I am, more important on a social on a social uh, aspect. You've mentioned labor more than once in our conversation. It was this past week that House Speaker McCarthy, at a farm show in Tulare, said, first we'll close the border, and then we'll talk about labor. How big is labor to Case IH now? How big is labor, do you see from your perspective, to this industry? I'm just so glad you didn't ask me my opinion on the first part of his statement. Um, labor is number one or number two, if you ask my entire staff, um, if you ask our entire manufacturing workforce, or if you ask our dealers. And that last point is very important. Our dealers are struggling mightily to get skilled technicians, but also skilled technicians that want to stay, but also skilled technicians that understand a little bit the ones and zeros as we have this technology shift. Um, it's a it's a top issue with us that we launched a program a year or two ago called the Top Technician Program where we're working with vocational technical schools all around this continent to try and fill the funnel, to use a term, arm-in-arm arm with our dealers because it's probably their number one issue. For us, a succinct answer, very similar. It's on the skilled trade side, you know, working on CNCs and our plants, um, you know, doing testing and rework at the end of the line in the quality base. It's It's that... You know, I'm, I already admitted I'm a 79er. I feel like we lost my generation. You know, there's not many people between, let's say, 30 and, you know, 50 working with their hands, doing, you know, HVAC repairs, working on tractors, building things. It's a statement of fact. I'm not trying to cast judgment. Um, I believe that we need to arm in arm with policymakers and industry leaders and, and everybody. It takes the village really be intentional about making trades and vocations hip and relevant again, you can make a really good living now working on tractors or working on heating and ventilation. And I think that it's it's time that we arm-in-arm arm step up, and, and that's what we're asking from our partners in, in the Beltway. Kirk Coffey, thank you for spending time with us at such a, a large event. But to share the view of Case IH and of the farm machinery business uh, domestically but also from the globe, thanks for taking time. Uh, this is open mic, and as it is open mic, you get the last word. My last word would be uh, thank you for taking time with me. Um, I'm humbled to be able to sit with anybody in, in this business and talk about the most famous industry, in my opinion, the most noble industry. You know, I go home at night and I go, hey, I, you know, we did something good to move forward the kingdom. I always say we move the kingdom forward. And, and improving productivity across farming and agriculture so more people have food on their table is rewarding to me. So thank you for what you do in our space. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Our thanks to Kurt Coffey, Vice President of Case IH North America, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.